Blog Talk Radio. story about Pinky and the Brain Volume 1 for me. Uh, shortly after I spent uh, 10 to 15 bucks to buy it on iTunes, they made a deal with Hulu and released the whole thing for the price of a membership to Hulu. Damn it. <laughs> but that, <laughs> such, is, such is my luck. That cackling at my expense that you hear is our good friend, one of the few get one of the few goyles to uh, show up here on the Rattlegen Broadcasting Network. That'll make my daughter happy. She keeps commenting that my podcasts are quite the sausage uh, sausage party. Uh, Alexis Hana from Hucky Honeysuckle Create Honey. Let me try that one more time. Honeysuckle <laughs> Rose <laughs> Creations. How you doing, Alexis? Mark, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Alexis. But how would the chickens get the nylons on? Well, I finally crossed that off my bucket list. You have no idea how badly I wanted to call into a show and say that. <laughs> you know, the the most common one around my house is actually, but me and Pippi Longstocking, what would the children look like? <laughs> the most common one in my household is, but if Jimmy Cox courted, no one cares. Why does he keep doing it? <laughs> Of course, we are. Uh, we're talking about one of the many gags on Pinky and the Brain. Um, there, are, there are certain phrases on the show you can count on. One of which is obviously, "Are you pondering what I'm pondering, Pinky?" And then whatever, whatever Pinky comes up with is usually, is usually gold. But uh, let, let's get into it. Go ahead. Okay, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, when I was, I called that you know, Mr. Sean Comer. Of course, he's a frequent guest on your show and he's a mutual friend of ours, I actually called him and I said, do you think I should say, open up with, are you pondering what I'm pondering, or, gee, Mark, what are we going to do tonight? And he said that I should actually do the, what are we going to do tonight? He said, I should give you the respect that you are brain and I am pinky. But the more I thought <laughs> about it, the more I figured it would be a little easier for you to rebound with a joke if I did the pondering what pondering joke. Just because yeah. I have so many of those pinkyisms memorized. No, good call on your part, Alexis. I I applaud you. Um, Yay! So did you now? Were you a contemporary fan of Pinky and the Brain when it was one a one of the shorts on the Animaniac show, of which 
uh, of which this show originated. Um, were you also a contemporary of, of the solo series that we're talking about tonight, or did you come to this later? I was a contemporary. I'm in my early 30s. I was the exact demographic that they were looking for. I remember coming home after school, watching Tiny Toon Adventures and then Animaniacs. I remember my mother coming down to watch Animaniacs. I remember her saying anytime the good feathers were on, we had to record it because she thought my dad would find it so freaking hilarious that they were doing Godfather jokes and Goodfellow reference. So I was there when Pinky and the Brain first premiered. I was there when uh, Pinky and the Brain got their solo series. And when they did Pinky Elmire and the Brain, I said, okay, that's just putting a hat on a hat. Yep, I was also a uh, contemporary of the show. I loved Animaniacs. I thought Animaniacs was the funniest thing on TV at the time. And Absolutely. Um And you know, and obviously Pinky and the Brain were one of the well, one of the funnier bits on there. I I'm not going to say it was my favorite bit on the Animaniacs. My favorite bit on the anima, on the Animaniacs was actually Chicken Boo. I don't think I laughed harder at anything <laughs> on that show. <laughs> he's, a, he's the greatest thing ever. He's wild. He's crazy. He's not chicken. <laughs> I would, every time that, that, that would get me every time. Whenever they would say he's a giant chicken, I would die laughing. <laughs> and now, I don't, oddly enough, my favorite segment was actually Slappy Squirrel. Mostly because everyone I know says that I'm probably going to end up exactly like Slappy when I'm that old. <laughs> Do you often tell people that that's comedy? Mm, no, but I know from my mm-hmm. incredibly sarcastic sense of humor and my oh dear god here we go again comments. Um, well, you need furthermore, you need I to figured if I had children they would end up like Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to work two things into your repertoire. I, I'm I'm big on gimmicks, you know, being a pro wrestling fan, and so I think everybody should have a gimmick. Everyone should have catchphrases. And you need to work in that's comedy. And you remind me of a dot, dot, dot. Now, that might take a little bit more work because then you have to think about who the person reminds you of. But, you know, make sure. Absolutely. But it has to be at least a, it has to be a 20 to 30-year-old reference every time. Um, you, you remind me of a young, I don't know, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> um, yes, I enjoyed Slappy Squirrel as well. But, yeah, like I said, nothing, nothing to me was funnier than Chicken Boo. Um, but, yeah, as we were saying... <laughs> Pinky, Pinky in the Brain came out of that, and it was all, you know, it was all, the whole Animaniacs was funny, which just as an aside, my ADHD brain here, the third show to come out of that series, uh, which I've never seen released on DVD, it's not released, um, it's not released on iTunes, I can't find it anywhere, and it hurts me, it hurts me, it hurts my heart, it cuts me deep, I can't find hysteria anywhere. It, it like it, it just dropped off the face his, of the earth. I hate to say I did not really get into hysteria, not because I wasn't a contemporary, I was still that age group. The problem was that hysteria was not an after-school thing; it was a Saturday morning cartoon. And anyone who knows me knows that getting up early on Saturday, unless I'm getting paid for it, is not worth it. <laughs> so I did not get into it that much, just because I never really had a chance to watch it. Okay. Um, I, I, the one thing that always, re- first of all, I was, I was always, I've always been a big history buff. So anything that lampoons history, and again, one of my favorite movies of all time is the history and the history of the world part one. 
by uh, Mel Brooks. Well, of course. Um, <laughs> which is dangerous when you start to, when you start to say things around you know around mixed company who don't get the references. Like, okay, faggot, what's next? It, it, that takes a lot of explaining, and sometimes it just isn't worth it. <laughs> but in my head, there's a lot of that. Um, if you haven't seen the, if you haven't seen the movie, go 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 see the movie. Then it, it's funny. It's, it's funny. Um, it's Mel Brooks. How it, is it not funny? Mel Brooks is the king. Do you care if it falls? What falls? The Roman Empire. <laughs> Fuck it. Anywho, um, I was. In- <laughs> I was a huge history buff, and so the fact that there was this cartoon lampooning bits of history was really funny. But then they also had these really memorable characters, one of which was based on, I think, Ed McMahon, who just kept saying, yes, now. <laughs> he was like, okay, yes, now. <laughs> and I would do that constantly. <laughs> okay. Um, but back in the, back, back in the day, um, Pinky and the Brain came out of uh, the Animaniacs, um, the first season aired, uh, started in September 9th, 1995, and uh, it was 14 episodes long, 22 minutes with commercials. Uh, the last episode aired May 12th, 1996. The whole series ran until November 14th, 1998, which, uh, which would end its fourth season of only seven episodes. And then yeah, it ran into uh, Pinky the Brain and Elmira, which I also did not watch because... If there was one thing that used to annoy me about Tiny Toons, it was Elmira. <laughs> the worst character to pull out of that show. Um, it's interesting because it's abundantly clear somebody at Warner Brothers really loved Elmira. She had the most crossover. She was given two episodes of Tiny Toons dedicated to her and her family alone. You get the feeling they were planning more of a spinoff with her and her family. They really wanted that to take off the ground, take off, but, you know, just really launch. And nothing against the voice actress, Chris Sumner. I think she's amazing. She is one of the best in the business, and she did really good. But I I just don't get who there thought Elmira was going to be the golden ticket of animation. She was funny, yeah. She had some good moments. She had some pretty good scenes, but they really overused her. Yeah, I, you know, okay, I just got a uh, message that my garage is open. Um, <laughs> Elmira's breaking in. Run! Yeah, clearly. Uh I'll get it. That's always fun here on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. You never know what's going to happen. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I. First of all, the standout character on that show is easily Plucky Duck, and the funniest episode ever is Bat Duck. But that, that's a show. That's a conversation for another day. Um, him and his pig. Him and his pig hostage. Bullseye or whatever the hell he called them. Let me, let me know when you want to talk Animaniacs and Tiny Toons. I'll come back. Uh, excellent. We, we'll have to get that on the agenda at some point. What are you doing in 2020? Let's get back to uh, Pinky and the Brain. Um, <laughs> so uh, the premise of Pinky no. and the Brain it was was the same as it was on Animaniacs. It was two laboratory mice whose genes have been spliced uh, who were set to t- to take over the world, and they would come up with ever increasing cockamamie schemes to try and take over the world. Um, usually the setup is, uh, again, some, some sort of, uh, it, it, on one level, it was some sort of elaborate scheme. 
on another level, it was some sort of parody of society at the time. Bill Clinton gets a lot of play on this on this show, uh, him being the president in the 90s and what a president he was. Um, I, I got to come back to that because it's an episode here with him and Hillary. I think it's hilarious. But uh, so Ooh, they, I'm just now pondering which one. Because <laughs> you're right. They uh, did make many. Well, also because you got Frank Welker and Tress McNeil who do perfect impressions of Bill and Hillary. So, you know, you're obviously going to use that. Um, so the, so there would be this uh, this parody of, of, of society at the time, um, along with this elaborate scheme. And then inevitably it would build to a crescendo and somehow or other Pinky would undo the entire thing. Um, most of the time Pinky undid it. There were the occasions where the plan itself just unraveled uh, for one reason or another, whether it was free T-shirts or, you know, the, just the general stupidity of the masses, something along those lines. But, um, and, and I want your comment on this. Uh, what did you, I mean, as a kid and, and then reflecting back on it as an adult, what did you think of a cartoon like this, which was clearly meant for children? It was, you know, it was a Saturday, it was a weekday afternoon cartoon, but it was in a lot of ways, almost like a political, uh, political commentary. It was, it was parody of society. There was a lot that went over my head. I, I, I recently watched, I have the first two seasons on DVD. I had yet to get the third one. We just got our Hulu subscription right for the holidays. So I spent the last few weeks binge watching it. And I finally got to see a handful of episodes that I had not seen yet. And yeah, I remember thinking that a lot of it did go over my head when I was younger. Well, we were talking about this earlier in the first season episode, Das Mouse. Uh, we have Pinky and the Brain stealing a submarine to try to raise the Titanic for more complicated reasons that I'm not going to go into. And they end up attracting the attention of the Navy who think that they're a rogue sub out to do whatever rogue subs do. I don't know. To which point they get a con- they get in contact with them and say, you know, you know, you know, you're heading to Daisy Jones blocker to which Pinky goes, didn't you sing leave for the monkeys? And, yeah, I didn't get that as a kid. I remember watching that as an adult with my aunt, who was a huge Pinky and the Brain fan, and she's rolling over laughing hysterically, just laughing, going, what kid is going to get that? So, yeah, I think there was a lot of it that was not meant for kids. I, I do love how they really slipped in jokes that only the adults were going to get. I mean, how, all the stuff with Bill Clinton and Hillary – I don't think a lot of kids really understood that. I remember multiple episodes where they did had Henry Kissinger. I didn't know who Henry Kissinger was as a kid. Yeah, you know, and I'm in my thirties. Was... I still don't really know who Henry Kissinger was. I just know he talks <laughs> funny. <laughs> yes, um, Bill. By the way, if you ever, I know Bill Cosby is something of a leper now and, and a societal outcast. But if you can get past the fact that he was a rapist. Uh, his old comedy, very funny, and he does a hilarious bit about you know, Henry Kissinger is from Alabama. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that was the thing. Like, I re- going back, looking at the dates that these were out, you know, in ninety five, ninety six, I had just graduated 
from high school. I was in college when, when these came out as I'm looking back at these and I would watch them with my dad. And so I was a little, uh, a little, you know, beyond the age group, obviously that these were intended for. So I got a little bit more of the jokes, but even, but there was some stuff like the Godzilla episode, for example, the Godzilla episode always cracked me up because of the yes, I see. And I didn't understand why they were doing that repeatedly. I wasn't an old, I wasn't a fan of the old Godzilla films. Um, I would find out later that that was a thing in the Godzilla films, which is fine. But I still remember, despite the fact that, and this is the point, despite the fact that I didn't always get the joke, I still laughed at certain things. So, you know, the, the, the constant sh- uh, shifting of the camera to the guy in the suit going, yes, I see. And then at the end of it, he gets, he gets set on fire by Godzilla. I, again, I remember being in tears. And I, and, I, and I wanted to stay in volume one, but later on, they would do episodes like with Maurice, the sheep herding cat, which you would have thought my friend and I in college were smoking pot at the time because we couldn't stop laughing at that. Um, if you'll recall, uh, this was the Brain Acres episode. Uh, I'll, I'll try to look up and see when, when exactly that was. But they go, they go out to the farm and they actually do like a parody of Green Acres which is not a show I watched, by the way, nor anyone watched who's watching this show. But yet it is still really funny. And the whole gag with the show was Brain is trying to bring a crop of vegetables to life as monsters to attack people and take over the world. And he experiments on a carrot who becomes, no, who's becomes known to us as Maurice, who takes to herding sheep. And he's, and he's Maurice the sheep herding carrot who enjoys his pudding. And so at the end, as they're singing the song, you have Pinky uh, belting out, we ate lots of pudding. And I remember working on like my senior thesis at the time, me and my friend writing them together, just in his basement, writing our senior thesis together, uncontrollable laughter and a constant repetition of the refrain, we ate lots of pudding. That is one of my favorite episodes, but yeah, admittedly that one got a little far-fetched. It, it is interesting, <laughs> though, you start seeing a bit of repetition with some of the plans. Uh, I think, first of all, one of the big things that you see repeated is that the scheme that we see in the episode is not so much the plan to take over the world, it is the plan to raise the money to take over the world. Even in Animaniacs, the very first episode of Pinky and the Brain, uh, Brain needs to rain, raise $99,000 for, I don't even remember. So he goes on a, par- on a show, it's called Jip Parody, and his, that giant human suit of his, which always cracked me up. I, I always loved when everyone just kind of looked at him, and, and, he go, and he goes, I'm fine. I'm a mouse in a mechanical suit. And, and they'd be like, okay, <laughs> whatever. We're just going to move on now. <laughs> just like, Sorry, I that, you know, you I'm glad you mentioned that. Go ahead, fit, fit, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Point, but I, I got I to get back to that because I remember thinking I have to talk about the similarities and the humor and the punchlines between Pinky and the Brain and my other favorite, Chicken Boo. <laughs> but like, so I always found it interesting that there was two main things we saw repeated. One was we didn't actually get to see the actual plan for world domination because they never got to raise the money or they got close to it and they lost all the money. Or subliminal messages and, and I do love there's a really great episode of Pinky and the Brain so it's one of the shorter ones 
where Brain realizes he's starting to repeat himself, and he looks through these note cards of past plans, trying to see if he's, you know, use them all, and it's like, you know, it's like plan A, subliminal messages, you know, tap dancing shoes, subliminal messages, hypnotic brainwaves, subliminal messages, and you really, yeah, that, that really, really does come up, that does come up a lot. And I remember laughing more at that in college because I went to school for broadcast, and I had to study, uh, you know, uh, on broadcast advertising, and we actually had a huge section on subliminal messages, which essentially just all rounded up to the point that subliminal messages don't work. <laughs> so Are we uh, too, get too gentle to society to get them? Why don't they work? They, they just don't. That There is no concrete evidence that shows that subliminal messages are effective. I mean, Interesting. from a scientific standpoint, you think subliminal messages would work. But all research has said that, that they can't find any influence of, the, of a subliminal message in one's day-to-day um, lives. <laughs> okay. So, but I always love that episode because then Pinky and the Brain go to Hollywood and hire out and just basically hire out a bunch of writers to try to come up with plans. And of course they're all coming up with the exact same plans over and over and over again. (laughs) I I love that episode. Um, But yes, please go ahead with the whole uh, compared to the chicken zoo. Well, one of the things that made Pinky and the Brain so, so funny, and I think, you know, going back to the idea of it was it was a subversive show, you know, in the sense that it was really poking fun at, at different, uh, you know, different people and different themes in society. But it also made sure it hit the notes that would make kids laugh. And one of those things, one of those notes is repetition. I mean, you would have thought a professional wrestler wrote this with the amount of uh, <laughs> with the amount of catchphrases that are repeated throughout the show. And so, like I said, you know, chicken boo, the, the catchphrase was, he's a giant chicken, um, that somebody would yell, you know, in disbelief that nobody else was catching on to this giant chicken disguised as Davy Crockett or what have you. Um, with Pinky in the brain, it was, you know, there was the obvious, Pinky, do you, are you pondering what I'm pondering? You know, brain, what are we going to do tomorrow night? Same thing we do every night, try to take over the world. But the, but the one that I want to draw a big fat circle around is the, actually, we're two laboratory mice bent on taking over the world. Because they, they never got a reaction that made like, any sense, really. It was always, oh, you guys are just kidding around. Okay, that's great. I love you guys. You know, it was always something weird like that. <laughs> it's like yeah. they couldn't, you know, the fact of the matter is they are, in fact, two mice. And, and he says it's so deadpan as if to say, like, I give up on the ruse. You know, like, look, we're really just two laboratory mice bent on taking over the world. And it's like, despite the fact that he's an actual mouse saying this to someone, there's always like, nope, no, that can't possibly be true. It has to be something, something but, else. Yeah. Oh, aren't you guys just so quirky or something? Or, or something? Yeah. <laughs> no one ever takes him seriously. And you're right. The fact that he says it with the dry wet and the deadpan voice that Maurice LaMarche had perfected in his impression of Orson Welles just made it so perfect i did not realize that so early on in the first season there's the um episode where brain is just about had enough of pinky and you know and he's blaming him 
for I'm trying to figure out which episode it is, but he's blaming him. Is this the one where he is this the one where he makes Pinky smarter? Uh, that's one episode in this. That's definitely worth talking about. Um, okay. You know what? That no, that that might be it. That that might be yeah. Okay, it, it that is the one because uh, he this is the one where uh, he he takes all the data and he plots it. And it's a picture of Pinky. I mean, he's like, you, you, you're the one that's messed up all my plans, so I have to make you smarter. And, of course, that doesn't work, because now that Pinky is smarter, he sees all the flaws in Brain's plans, and Brain realizes that he's the problem. And separately, like a gift of the Magi situation, they both to try to help the other one make themselves morons. <laughs> and it was that weird is, I that... Love this. I, I do love... I love the scene in there where Brain has made himself stupid. He's prancing around. He's going, Pinky, where are you, Pinky? You hear the machine in the background warming up. Brain's face just, his mouth, his face just goes blank, and you hear the static and everything in the scene. You don't need to see Pinky going through it. You just see Brain's reaction to it and realizing what's happening, and it is perfect. Well, even before that, right before that, where he, as you said, he's prancing around. Even as an idiot, he's still using like you know, like high vocabulary words. He's just like, I'm I'm a dunderhead. I'm a ninny. <laughs> you know? Like he can't even say he's an idiot like an idiot. He he's got to use you know like smart words. Um, and still but, saying everything in that deadpan snarf, not right. the world. It doesn't sound the same, but I love it. Yeah, I'm just really surprised I went with that so early on. You know what I mean? Like that feels like something that would happen in a later season after they're, they're they've had a series of mishaps. Um, th- I mean, this is literally episode three. <laughs> you know, um, it's the same one. It's actually the same one with Godzilla. Um, yeah, Gollyzilla. Yeah. Yes, Gollyzilla. Yes, I see. Um, that same episode. <laughs> So Animaniacs, one of the funniest things about Animaniacs were the songs. Um, Yakko sings the, the capitals of uh, the, the states and their capitals. It's hysterical. No, that's Wacko. Um, that, Yakko, sorry, that's right. that's Wacko. Yakko does the thing. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I actually have Yakko singing all the countries of the world on my iPhone, and I have made it my life school to be able to sing it. Maybe not as well as Rob Paulson sings it, but it's on the bucket list. Um, actually, yeah, you know where I was getting confused because I know there's one that he, they have to keep pulling away from. And I think it's Yakko sings all the words in the dictionary. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, we'll come back a good to one. <laughs> but yes, Wacko does the states and the capitals. Yakko does uh, all the countries in the world and all the, all the words in the dictionary. Um, but the songs were always really funny on Animaniacs. They were some of the best. At times, it was some of the best stuff on there. What did you think of the songs in Pinky and the Brain? We've got a couple here in the first season. We've got uh, Brainstem, which to this day I will still sing. And I won't like even do the whole song. I'll just start running around going, Brainstem, Brainstem. And then, of course, there's the cheese roll call. Well, obviously, they had the great, as they call him, the great Stonini, Richard Stone. He wrote all the songs. For Tiny Toon. He wrote from all of the Steven Spielberg and all the Warner Brothers cartoons. This is the man who gave us Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, Tasmania theme song, Freakazoid theme song. So obviously they have him, they're going to use him. You know, rest in peace, he, he died way too, he died not too long after the series was done. Rest in peace, he was amazing. But I do love that they were able to incorporate him. And again, it is so much fun hearing Brain sing with that same 
adorable deadpan of his. It's great. I personally think my favorite one is the meticulous analysis of history. Well, you know, Caligula was no no Boy Scout. He did things that we can't even talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing so hard when I heard those lyrics, like because you know, you know that about a couple dozen kids saw that and went to their parents and go, "Why couldn't they talk about Caligula?" And the parents Caligula. Are just freaking out, going, "Oh God, I have to bring up Caligula." <laughs> <laughs> That's if the parents even knew what Caligula was, you know. And they were just like, "Hey, there's this movie about it. Maybe we should watch." Oh my God. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the actual oh. movie, but it's it's interesting to say the least. Oh, I I have sat I sat for Caligula, and I actually remember laughing hard at that because one of my te- I actually had to study Roman and Greek history in I think it was high school, and Caligula had to be brought up. And the only but the only part about Caligula that the teacher brought up was that he filled a sentence seat with a horse. And that was enough for them to kill him. You know, you, you don't find out until you're much older. It was a lot more than that. But I laughed so hard when they, because that was the part of the song that goes, the Roman Senate knew he lost his head when he filled an empty Senate seat with Mr. Ed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, they got the one part you can talk about, right? Um, so let's talk about Bill Clinton and Hillary. The, uh, the <laughs> Bill Clinton comes up a lot on uh, this first season and he's often referred to as a hillbilly um which is exactly how some people in the republican party referred to him so that's consistent uh well that's how some people lo- in this country still think about him <laughs> yeah my actually my favorite line from pinky in the brain is something you know is there, and i don't remember word for word but it was something along the lines of brain going finally i'll get the respect that i deserve and bill clinton looks at him and says how's it feel um, <laughs> again, interesting commentary <laughs> on, on President Bill. But uh, one of my favorite episodes in this thing is Brainania, uh, with their with the scheme to get uh, billions and dollars in foreign aid. And there's a yeah. state dinner that that Brain enters, and uh, he he's sitting, and then Bill sitting between him and Hillary. And, and Hillary actually got a nice portrayal in this. I, don't, I think if it were written today, I don't think she would come off nearly as well. But they definitely portrayed her, um, I wouldn't go with demure, but just kind of normal looking. And they definitely portrayed her as really smart. And so the whole, org- the whole gag is uh, they'll give you billions of dollars in aid if you're, willing to, um, if, you're w- if you're willing to have the United States deposit their nuclear waste in your country. And they're negotiating about how much. And Bill just in the middle of it goes, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but woo-wee, it sounds smart. <laughs> Again, they got Frank Welker, who is the king of voice acting. If you don't know who Frank Welker is, he actually has on record the longest IMDb page in history. And he is technically the most profitable actor in Hollywood because of how many roles he's played. He is one of the greatest voice actors ever, and he did such a good country twang with Bill Clinton. So it was a lot of fun to see him used in that manner. I always liked that. So I've talked about a couple of ones that stood out to me. Um, like I said, I don't want to nail these one by one, just sort of hit the high points. What are some of your mm-hmm. favorites here? What are some of the episodes that spoke to you? 
One of my absolute favorites is Pinky and the Brain and Larry, especially since they actually rewrote the opening theme song to include Larry. I love it because this was undoubtedly kind of a very obscure middle finger, I think, to the studios Mm -hmm. and to the corporate. Um, Pinky and the Brain have a new mouse in their cage, Larry, voiced by, again, amazing voice actor Billy West. Uh, You probably know him as the voice of Fry and the Professor and Zoidberg from Futurama, among others. And it's so hilarious how they're shoe-holding him in and how awkward it is, complete with a really good Three Stooges send-up. And in the end, (laughs) they just, Brain just goes, it's all about yin and yang. No, it's just yin and yang. There is no Larry. (laughs) And I love it. Especially, okay, going back to Pinky O'Myra and the Brain, there is actually a line in the opening theme song that played every episode that it's what the corporate wanted. Why bother to complain? <laughs> and I always love that because I always loved watching Pinky, the Brain, and Larry because it was so obvious they were saying, we are not putting in a third character. You knew that the higher-ups were saying, you should have more characters. Pinky and the Brain should have another mouse in the cage. And they wrote that episode specifically to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I love it. So Pinky and the Brain um, Larry was actually the second episode of season three. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's one of my favorites, too. And just, if nothing yeah. else for that theme, it's, it's Pinky and the Brain and Larry. It's Pinky and the Brain and Larry. Pinky and the Brain <laughs> and Larry. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I, I love Billy West just coming every now and going, I'm Larry. Just because clear the character has nothing else to do to say, like, I'm the one named Larry. I'm Larry. Right. It's clear to him this character, he has no character. He's just there to be the third wheel. I don't and remember I love which season it, because it is. Pink... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Um, I was going to say, I, I don't remember what season it is, but – one of the one of the funniest ones is oh yeah it's also season three we're gonna have to discuss season three at some point but the uh, the megalomaniacal adventures of Brainy the Pooh because boy is that one oh, chock full of, of parodies of uh, of people and imitations and whatnot you know Al Gore um, <laughs> and of course the the greatest uh, the greatest of the musical numbers Brainy the Pooh stop. Brainy the boot. Why must you sing? <laughs> There's an E at the end of home. That was another one. Well, again, writing the college thesis when we were in fucking tears. And of course, who's Christopher Robin being played by? Christopher Walken. Who, you know, I just to take it back to season one. Christopher Walken. Just to take it back to season one. I can't remember the, who does the Christopher Walken impression, but he's great. <laughs> yes. Um,. You know, it's funny you mentioned Christopher Walken because uh, it's it's actually the second episode where um, <laughs> Brain in his human suit gets a job and then stages an accident suing the company as to obtain enough money to set up an automated answering system that will keep people busy while he takes over the world. And so he's in court. Mm-hmm. He's trying to prove that the accident turned him into a mouse. And and Christopher Walken is the prosecuting attorney, or there or is is defending the company rather. Um, and, and yeah, I thought, I thought it was an odd, I thought it was an interesting choice that they would decide to do Christopher Walken as the lawyer. 
I, I kind of wonder if that's a parody of a movie that I have. I, I always thought that was a parody of a movie I hadn't seen. Cause, yeah, I love Christopher Walken, but obviously I have not seen every movie he's been in. I remember watching as a kid thinking, there's got to be some movie Christopher Walken played a lawyer that this is obviously a joke about. But, yeah, I've gotten older. I still don't know if that was the case or, if it, again, it was the case of we've got someone on staff who does a perfect Christopher Walken impression. We're going to use it. <laughs> Right. They uh, they definitely use Christopher Walken, I think, a bunch of times throughout this. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the, the Brainy the Pooh episode. Um, but, I, but I feel, no, it was an Animaniacs episode that I'm thinking of, where it was like a Christmas party, and Christopher Walken just keeps running around asking, saying hello to people, and at the end, he's like, why won't anyone say hello to me? Boy, has that gotten a lot yeah, of play in that- my lifetime. <laughs> I've seen that that is the episode where, where Yakko, Wacko, and Dot decide to host a big dinner party, and the only way they get everyone is saying that, quote-unquote, Steven is coming. So, of course, everyone thinks it's Spielberg. And, yeah, Walken is the only other person there. And it's, they, they make him so awkward, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I asked you what some of your favorite episodes are. Anything from the actual uh, first season? Um. No, hang on a second. I'm actually going to pull open my DVD here, and I'm going to double-check on what is on the first season, because after binge-watching it for a while, the episodes all kind of start to run together. Yeah. So let's <laughs> double-check here. What's on the first season? Okay. Well, of course, let's go ahead and talk about the Pinky and the Brain Christmas special. That was actually a really well done. I loved that episode. I thought it was so great. I I love the humor with the elves. Uh, there's a fucking Donner Party joke in there for crying out loud. <laughs> and it has one of the most touching endings ever. It is so well done, and I love it. I, for my part, have a horrible habit of crying at the end of movies. Um, if you've ever, mm-hmm. I mean, we, my, I, I've told the story a bunch on some other podcasts. My daughter and I were inconsolable at the end of Coco. We both ugly cried like there was no oh, tomorrow. I, 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 I sobbed so hard at Coco. I walked out and my face was all puffy. I'm like, I'm not going to deny it. I bawled. <laughs> um, the end of the Lord. I can't take the end of one of the endings of the Lord of the Rings. You know, when uh, when Aragorn says to the to the hobbits, you st- you know, you, you bow to nobody. You know, that's it. I lose it every single time. And then, of course, the final goodbye mm-hmm. as as the ships sail away, you know, um, you know, and how Sam's heart is breaking as Frodo leaves him, you know, I again heart ripped out, ugly crying, I can't take it. And I'll tell you, even something, uh, even something as silly as Pinky in the Brain, that ending to the Christmas episode actually teared me up. Mm-hmm. You know that all you know, yeah, the, the, was... with Pinky writing the letter to Santa saying, "Oh, you know." I've, Something along the lines of, of, gosh, what 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 exactly does does Pinky write that sets brain off? Basically, well, the the episode hinges on this doll called Noodle Noggin that um, sends out a, a hypnotic suggestion in Brain's voice. Basically, Brain will have this remote control in the microphone, and whoever is in possession of the doll will be hypnotized by what it says. So the whole point of the episode is that brain, Pinky and the Brain go to the North Pole to get the Noodle Noggin doll onto Santa's list so every household gets one. And throughout the episode, Pinky's saying that he's working on his letter to Santa, and Brain's like, oh, my God, grow up. 
at the end of the episode, they manage to get back, but they accidentally destroy uh, the machine that will allow Brain to talk. And he's freaking out because it's Christmas morning. Gifts are being opened all over the world. He's like, you know, I've got like less than 10 minutes to get his stuff together. And as they're putting it together, Pinky sees that his letter to Santa did not get delivered. It's still in the bag. And he's crying. I'm Brain, my letter didn't get delivered. Santa didn't get my letter. And Brain is, of course, going, Pinky, it's not important. We have got to get this going. And he's freaking out. And if you've ever been with a child who didn't get to see Santa at the mall or, or, or thinks that their letter didn't get delivered to Santa, you feel for Pinky, who's crying that his letter didn't get delivered. But right before the broadcast goes out, Brain finally does read the letter, and Pinky has put in this incredible plea saying, I don't want anything, but anything you have for me, give to Brain. He cares for nothing, but he does not care for himself. He only cares for the world. He only wants what's best. Uh, you know, he, he, but he gets nothing in return for all of his good work. And I, yeah, I just please, anything you have for me, give to Brain. And Brain is so touched by this that when the microphone comes back on and he has this chance – Everyone in the world got a noodle noggin doll. He has the whole world at his disposal. He he is an inch away from getting whatever he's everything he's wanted, but he's so touched by Pinky's letter that all he can say into it is "Have a merry Christmas, everyone," and he breaks down into tears. Right. And it's so sweet. It actually won an award. It won. Let's see if I can find this here again. It won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program in 1996. And well-deserved of it. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of our animated cartoon series do not do Christmas specials that well. They're a little too corny, a little too ham-fisted. You know, this one handled it very, very nicely. I was really impressed with it. Um. One of the last things I want to throw out here, and actually, I actually just watched this not uh, before we went on tonight. They do a parody of The Third Man, which I've never seen, but it's all done in black and white. And uh, the, the, sum, the summary is, in a parody of The Third Man, Pinky searches for brain in post-World War II Vienna, despite con- constant attempts to convince him that brain is dead. A couple of things about this episode I, I found fascinating. One, it was one of the few that revolves strictly around Pinky. Okay, as an aside, mm-hmm. the almost the funniest episode of Pinky and the Brain ever is the one where uh, the whole episode focuses on what Pinky is thinking, and so you and so the, you get that one once in a lifetime look into how he gets to where he does whenever Pink, whenever Brain is asking him, "Are you pondering what I'm pondering?" I swear to God, yes, I've, 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 I've never, yes, I've never laughed so hard. That. Um, that is actually my favorite, all-time favorite Pinky and the Brain episode. I love that one so much. I, I love it because every it, time, I love it just not only for that, but every time Brain says, now Pinky, remember, blah, 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 big word, blah, blah, <laughs> bigger word, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I died laughing the first time I heard that. It, it, it's like... I was telling my wife about this because, you know, because, again, the, the part of the reason why we often say, you know, <laughs> um, but me and Pippi Longstocking, what were, you know, what would the children look like? Because my wife and I have both admitted 
that we'll, we'll, we'll find ourselves drifting off while the other one is talking at times and then come back. Yeah. And it's like, did you hear what I said? And I'm like, and, and I'll just go, no, me and Pippi Longstocking, what would the children look like? You just go, okay, here we go again. You know, it, it's a sign <laughs> that one of us is drift, utterly drifted off. Um, which, as a separate aside, my wife has come to the realization that I'm a smart Peter Griffin. And so her nuke, and so she, and she has said that she would prefer sometimes if I were a little less silly. And so we have a code now for when I need to tone back the silliness, which is Peter, I have a mammogram in the morning. Uh, which, if you get, if you watch Family Guy, that's really funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, um, back to this. So one of the reasons why I brought this up is that it's one of the few episodes that really focuses on Pinky, and um, other than it, it's kind of art, art, you know, artsy done, uh, art, art, artily. <laughs> um, it's rather artistically. Artsy. artistically? So, yes, there we go. Um, artfully, that's a word. It's rather artfully done, you know, being in black and white and all that, especially for an afternoon you know, children's cartoon. Um, one, of the, one of the things that, that struck me immediately as I was watching it was it's just it, it's gag, 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 gag. You know what I mean? It, because, mm-hmm. because Pinky is the idiot of the show. Every line of his is a joke. And this is the most, like, rapid it's like the, the big laughs a lot of times come from the Pratt Falls. This was one of those weird episodes where the laughs are supposed to come from the dialogue and it's almost and it's Pinky almost every time reacting to people telling him that Brain is dead and how concrete he is and how he's not getting it. And then the other the other gag is how everyone else is reacting then to Pinky. You know, where it's it, my my favorite line in this whole thing is when the two cops are talking to him. And he's just like, I think he's smarter than he's letting on, and the other one goes, Well, he kind of have to be. Um, I can't help but think that whoever suggested the third mouse episode, which again is a really really good one, probably also was behind the yes always segment on Animaniacs. Uh, of course, one of the big jokes with the third mouse is that the character that brain brain would be parodying. Is a character called Harry Lyme, who was played by, drumroll, Orson Welles, who again, the brain's voice is an obvious parody of. And every time I watch this, I think about the. Are you familiar with the Animaniacs segment? Yes, always. Uh, no, but maybe if you, you ever see that. Bars. I'm <laughs> sure I did because I watched okay, every single episode of Animaniacs. Okay. But okay, there is this outtake reels on the internet. If you Google, Google Orson Welles outtake, you'll find it. Orson Welles is overdubbing dialogue for a commercial, and he is just arguing with the, uh, the voice director, just like, yeah, it's like, blah, 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 this is a lot of shit, you know that, right? He's just so <laughs> hard to work with. Yes, always is a parody of this, with brain going into overdubbed dialogue, and Obviously, a few things are changed to make a child friendly, but it is almost a word-for-word copy. It's insane. The inflection, everything, it is so perfect. It is just a perfect little tribute to Orson Welles in the the video. So every time I watch the third match, I'm like, whoever wrote this also wrote yes, always, didn't they? Because somebody just wanted to have more fun with the fact that, ha-ha, Maurice LaMarche is doing Orson Welles. 
Um, the only thing I remember with with uh, this series of cartoons and Orson Welles is Rosebud. Rosebud teas. They're full of vitamin A and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. I'm out of here. Oh, yes. They're even good when they're frozen. Yeah, <laughs> They're even they're better dead. when you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, I heard that on the Yes Always one that apparently Maurice Lamarche used to warm up for his recordings by doing the Orson Welles outtakes. He, that's how he would get into character in his brain. He would practice saying that. So, I think somebody just really wanted to have fun making fun of Orson Welles. <laughs> he, he, Orson Welles comes up quite a number of times throughout these cartoons. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw you the, the last word here as we start to wind down. Um, Anything that you, anything else you want to talk about? Any episodes? Any common themes throughout these uh, that uh, you would be remiss without bringing up? I think one of the things I was like bringing up was the unofficial pilot for Pinky and the Brain. There's an episode on Animaniacs. I think it's called Spellbound. Pink. It's an entire half-hour episode dedicated to Pinky and the Brain. It was the first one on Animaniacs to do that, and it's Pinky and the Brain in. Uh, King Arthur Times, they're in Merlin's, um, uh, Merlin's room, office, whatever, tower, <laughs> and they steal Merlin's magic wand to get ingredients for a literal takeover the world spell. And not going to lie, that's actually one of my favorite Animaniac segments, it, or shorts. It is so funny. There's just all these great little in-jokes. They open up the spell book, and they go to the table of contents, and Brain's going through spells. And he's like, no, 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 take, you know, it's like Tahoe, how to cheat a card. Mm, maybe later. Okay, there's a take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I always remember that as thinking, that's the pilot. They made that episode as a test to see how the audience would react to an episode that was entirely pinky and the brain. And, of course, Animaniacs is also on Hulu, so if you can, I always recommend everyone checking that episode out. It's really good. I think it's one of the best to show Pinky and the Brain's humor. It's really good. Not to mention it's kind of fun seeing them in Merlinian times. They're, they're basically going after the toenail of a giant red dragon. <laughs> and it's really good. We will uh, we'll have to come back at some point uh, when I have a break in the schedule and I don't have anything that, you know else contemporary to talk about to do more Pinky and the Brain. I definitely want to do some Animaniacs. Uh, as we said earlier, no, no pinky in the brain and Elmira. Yuck. Um, but uh, no. in, in 2020, if I'm still doing this, God, you know, God help me. We will, uh, we will have to, we will have to watch the reboot on Hulu in 2020 and then talk about it uh, after it airs its final episode. So be ready. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tap you for in 2020 to talk about Animaniacs, the reboot. I have to admit, I'm a little antsy about it, but I think that's just because I haven't seen side of who's going to be involved with the reboot. You know, I'm sitting going, okay, I want to see some of the original writers. If they don't get back Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, Jeff Harnell, and Tress McNeil, oh, my God, heads are going to roll. So <laughs> I'm going, I'm willing to give it a chance, but I need to see that enough of the original core you know, is there? I mean, let's face it. Animaniacs would not be as funny if you didn't have the chemistry between these three voice actors, because they are amazing. So I'm, I'm going to give it a chance, but I reserve the right to change my mind once more information about the reboot has been revealed. That's fair. 
And if you enjoyed yeah. hearing Alexis Assistant's Hena, every time I do that, my Amazon Echo lights up. Um, chili. Fish. I was gonna say, are you doing this? Are you doing this just for fun, or are you saying those extra S's to make sure that your Amazon Echo knows you're saying something different? No, at this point, I'm doing it to remember that your name is Alexis and not Alexa. I'm never making that mistake again. Oh. Um, <laughs> for, for the record, you're not the only one. I've had multiple cases of people calling me and eventually just saying, hang on, turn that thing off. Hell, one of the last Christmases, one of my aunts and uncles has an Amazon Echo, and every time somebody called me from another room, it went off the phone. So I was like, well, somebody shut that damn thing off. So. <laughs> Well, it's it's obviously been a joy uh, having you on here, and we're going to have you back. You're going to make your debut, actually, on the Source Material podcast uh, in the month of March, in just a few weeks. Uh, the show will air. We're going to pre-record the show. I'll tell you when that date is. But the actual show will air on the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network on March 5th. It'll be, we'll be talking about Mockingbird Volume 2, My Feminist Agenda, and we're doing that for National Women's Day. National Women's Day. We're going to bring on Alexis and we're all going to have a fantastic time. But in the meantime, what's going on in your world? What, do you, what would you like to plug? My company, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, intersection of geek and chic, makers of game geek jewelry and wonderful repurposed and upcycled products. We have just started our Comic-Con season. We just did Wizard World St. Louis this last weekend. Weekend after this is Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. This is my home show. It's the very first show I ever did. It's my, I want to say, sixth anniversary with them and kind of timely talking about it because talking about it at the show tonight because one of the guest stars at Planet Comic Con, one of the celebrities you can see is Rob Paulson, voice of Yaka Warder and Pinky. Actually, I'm really hoping they do a talking to panel there. I really want to see these people all together. They, they got Jim Cummings. You've got Jess Harnell, voice of Wacko. It, I'm really hoping we can see some fun with all of these voice actors there. But we're going to be at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City weekend after next. We are working on shows in uh, Tulsa. We're going to be doing shows in Cincinnati. We're going to be doing shows in Phoenix. Season is getting booked very, very fast. Uh, for more information, see if we're going to be coming to a city near you. Uh, check out our Facebook page again, Honeysuckle Rose Creations. Uh, also, be sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page for all of our fun photos and updates. All right. Outstanding. Uh, as far as stuff we're doing on the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network, tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we're going to be looking at the new Leaves Eye, Sign of the Dragon Head. Uh, yesterday, the new uh, uh, unsourced material, we looked at Saga, Volume 1, and we also sang a little David Allen Coe. Uh, so, you know, that's that the fun time was had. Uh, next week, what will be dropping on the Source Material podcast is good old Red Sun, the Superman is a commie story. Uh, Sean will be back for On Trial. We're going to look at Training Day with Denzel Washington. And just in time for Valentine's Day, Israeli metal band Orphan Land will be dropping their album Unsung. We're going to talk about it on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Uh, Alexis? Sis? Uh, it's been uh, it's been fun talking about this. I uh, I do enjoy my pinky in the brain. I'm glad you do. I hope you had a good time uh, sharing your thoughts on it. And we'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Have fun talking about Training Day, the one movie that David Ayer actually got right. I'm sorry, yeah. I saw Bright and Suicide Squad. Never again. 
<laughs> as I like to refer to Training Day, or at least the Oscar that uh, Denzel got for it, as a li- as the Lifetime Achievement movie, because um, there's no reason he should have yeah, gotten it for that. that movie. But you know, he since he should have gotten it for several other ones, and they were just like, oh well, uh, you made a movie this year, terrific, you get an Oscar. So <laughs> good for De- good for Denzel That's and good much for. Part- um, yeah, pretty much the, the Departed with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, all right. Tune in for more shows again tomorrow and next week here on the Radlers and Broadcasting Network for Alexis Haina of Honeysuckle Rose Creations. I am your mandated reporter, Mr. Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.